Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. The first Sunday in June, 1991, I stood in the pulpit at the old building and preached as the pastor of Mayo Baptist Church. So the first Sunday in June had been special to Sharon and I uh, ever since. I was 39 years old. Yeah, but I was, Tom, really. I was that old once, <laughs> that young once. 39 years old when I stood there in, in the pulpit. And the uh, church was going through some struggling times back then. Uh, but you know what? I'm glad I stayed, and I'm glad you stayed too. It's a great honor of my life to be the pastor of a church that I am so, I guess it's okay to use the term proud in the right way. I, I am so proud of. I brag on you folks all the time. And I don't take for granted one second that I get to be the pastor of uh, my old Baptist church. And I trust uh, that the Lord will give me uh, some more years, some health and mental abilities to be your pastor and to be effective. Uh, It's 28 years as of today, but uh, add that on to the other years. Ministry didn't start here. Ministry started down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana at Central Baptist Church. So all total, we're looking at 44 years in in ministry, uh, 28 years of them as pastor here. I also checked back in 1991, I thought it was interesting, the price of gas was $1.12 a gallon. But don't blame me on the fact that it's gone up, that I've been here 28 years. I think it would have gone up anyway. But it is my distinct privilege... uh, to be the pastor of this church, and I do not take it for granted. I was raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a city that would be very similar to Lansing. You know, Lansing has Michigan State University. Baton Rouge has Louisiana State University. Lansing is the capital of Michigan. Baton Rouge is the capital of uh, Louisiana. And But I was raised in a city, and in the city, you could put out a bird feeder and not think a whole lot about it, except for watching the birds. We've learned northern Michigan in these 28 years that you have to be careful about putting out bird feeders because they not only attract the gross beaks, which are beautiful, and the Baltimore Oreos, which Sharon and I were enjoying, but it was uh, Friday, was it, Sharon, or Thursday? No, Thursday. Yeah, it was Thursday. Thursday, Sharon was at home, and I was here. Middle of the afternoon, Sharon's goes and takes a shower. And then after she gets out, she calls me. And we have the bird feeder. And, you know, we know enough that you take bird feeders in at night, right? Up here, you take them in at night. Well, now we got to take them in during the day. Because Sharon called me. She said, the bird feeder is missing, and some of the potted flowers are all turned over on our deck in the middle of the afternoon. We used to enjoy feeding the birds, That stopped that day. If he's going to come up on my deck in the middle of the afternoon, I mean, if that bird feed looks good to a hungry bear, how must I and Sharon look to a hungry bear? 
We don't need to put the appetizer out there while he's waiting for the main dish to come outside. So we are no longer enjoying the gross beaks and the red winged blackbirds and the Baltimore Oreos, but all part of the blessings of living in northern Michigan. Our theme for this year is I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I, I guess this is some little game guy here, but I think, you know, he, he can make it. With, with, on his own, he's not going to make it across there, but he needs the strength of Christ. That's why I chose that particular slide. That verse comes from Philippians 4.13. It says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, <clears throat> I believe a lot of people misinterpret this verse. It's very important for us to understand what this verse means. And simply it means this. The things God has directed you to do, he will enable you to do. That's what that verse means. Now that's in contrast to what a lot of people think. This is not a blank check for you to be able to do whatever you want to do. And I really believe some people think that. I can do all things through Christ. That's a blank check. Let me just name it and claim it. No, that's not what it means. The fact that it's talking about through Christ. You you can't win at the casino through Christ. You see? So if you think that means all things means winning at the casino, no, that's not what that means. You can't get an unsaved person to marry you through Christ. You can't get even with somebody. Through Christ. You can't pass the test you didn't study for. Through Christ. You see, there's some qualifications with this verse. Now, a person that doesn't go to church, person that is uneducated in the Bible, person that doesn't have time for preaching, they're going to come to the wrong conclusions with this verse. But you, because you've come to church, a pastor has studied this verse out, you're going to go home with the right perspective concerning this verse. And again, It means the things that God has directed you to do, he will enable you to do. Now think about this verse for a second. This verse presupposes that some of the things that God has for you to do are going to be challenging, if not downright hard, and therefore you're not going to be able to do them by yourself. That's what this presupposes. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now just think it through. That obviously means there's some some things you can't do unless you have Christ to strengthen you. That means that some of the things Christ wants you to do are going to be hard. There are some things in life that the Lord wants you to do that are going to be challenging. And right there, that's why somebody in this room might say, who's visiting and you're not saved, you might say, that's why I don't want to be a Christian. Right there. You know, God's going to ask me to do things that I don't want to do, and he's going to ask me to do things, uh, or he's going to ask me not to do some things that I want to do. Right there. You know, pastor, yeah, I get it. You know, I can do all things through Christ, which means some things are going to be hard. I'm going to need him to help me. And that's not what I signed up for when I got born into this world. And for that reason, no thank you. If you guys want to pursue that route as a Christian, go ahead. But I'm not going to do that. Well, let me tell you, you're making a serious mistake. You're not thinking right. But it is true that as a Christian, that God asks us to do things that are 
hard. For example, God directs us to be faithful in marriage. But if you're married to a difficult spouse, that can be hard, but yet the Lord tells you to be faithful. So you see, God asks us to do things that can be hard. God directs us to live holy and righteous lives. Well, our flesh is weak and there's temptations all around us. God is directing us to do something that, that can be hard. God directs us to be humble and meek. Well, I want to decide where we go and eat. I don't want you deciding again. We've been there the last three times. You see, God's asking us to do things that are hard. And so Paul is saying, you're going to need his strength. There are things that the Lord is going to ask of us as his children to do that are going to be challenging at best, hard at worst. Paul not only said this, and he's the one that says this, but it was left there because it applies to all of us. But Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul had learned this truth because Jesus had directed Paul to do what? To bring the gospel to the Gentiles. That was his calling. In fact, in Acts chapter 13, verse number 47, For so hath the Lord commanded us, including himself, saying, I have sent thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. The gospel is going to be given to the Gentiles. And Paul, that is your calling. But think about it. God called him to do something that was hard. Listen to the way Paul describes what he had to experience in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 24. Now, this is a man living God's will. If you think when you live God's will, you're going to be on easy street, you are sadly mistaken. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, you know, whether I'm at home or whether I'm away, they're out to get me, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Not only being attacked, not only being lost at sea, not only being hungry, but just the everyday care of all the churches. And if you think about Paul's letters that he wrote, most of them were dealing with problems. For example, when he wrote the Galatians, why did he write the Galatians? Because they were straying away from true doctrine. And he says in there, I'm paraphrasing, that I'm amazed that you, know, you are so soon straying from, from the truth. Most, when he wrote the Corinthians, problems. People report to him, you know, it's not what you want to hear. You know, the Corinthians, I mean, they're messing up everything. They're making a joke of the Lord's Supper. I, okay, here's, I got to, guys, you know. But God, had, he's in the middle of God's will. But it's hard. But here's the thing about it. Here's the, the noteworthy thing. He never quit. 
He never threw in the towel. This man never gave up. In 2 Timothy 4, 6, at the end of it all, he says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Demas couldn't say that. Demas got on board for a while, and apparently it got too hard, and he loved the world more, and he says, I, like maybe some of you might be thinking this morning, you know, I'm going to do my own thing. But he was rewarded, 2 Timothy 4.8, for henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Demas couldn't say that. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me. At that day. And not to me only, but to all them that love his appearing. The Christian life is the best life you can possibly live. But you don't board a cruise ship when you get saved, you really do board more like a battleship. But unlike lost people, they. Life is more hard for them, more frustrating for them, and it's without any significant consequence. It's just a life of of, of vanity and a life of meaninglessness. Christians will suffer, I believe, to a lesser degree, the, the pains that... People that live outside of God's will will suffer. But nonetheless, we we have a calling to a noble cause. And that can indeed be challenging. The principles and the rules and the regulations that the Lord gives us. So it's Paul that said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. These words that are up before us for this entire year... These are words of encouragement. This is to encourage you. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, particularly when you're suffering, and we make a distinction here, not for your sin, but when you're suffering for righteousness' sake, you can really claim this. Not not when you're out of God's will and you've got a bad attitude and you're watching stuff that you shouldn't be watching and listening stuff you shouldn't be listening to and hanging around people you have no business hanging around. No, that's not what this is for. This is for those of you that have a heart for God and you're, you're wanting to make it with that difficult spouse. You, you have a heart to do right by your children and to raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You, you really want to control your thought life. You, you really want to be obedient to the Lord in witnessing and in your prayer life. This is for you. This is to encourage you that, yes, on your own, it's hard. And by yourself, probably not going to make it. But through him, you can make it. It's encouraging to know, like Paul, we can do all things through Christ. Now, let me ask you a question. Why? I know what you're thinking. Because I think the same thing. Why? Why do I want to do hard things? An unsafe person, if there's an unsafe person sitting here this morning, they really could be saying, that's the reason I don't want to be a Christian. Because the Lord says, you got to do this. Got to be at church on Sunday. I don't want to be at church on Sunday. I want to do what I want to do on Sunday. So no, no thank you, not interested. 
I know the Lord says you're supposed to tithe. No. I don't make enough money as it is. I don't, I don't want to do that. that. That's hard. So, fair question, why do hard things? Well, think about this, folks. The best life is not a life of ease. The best life, this is so counterculture to today. The best life you can possibly live is not a life of ease. The best life is not a life of endless recreation. These things are so desired. I mean, that's what people live for today. The best life is not the life of no responsibilities or avoiding responsibilities. The best life is not a life of perpetual vacation. You know, everybody needs leisure. Everybody needs a vacation. But you know why? Not for the sake of vacation, so you can relax and recoup and get back to doing what's really important. The vacation isn't what's really important. It helps you to do a better job at what's really important, the things that God has called you to do. But in this culture... It's how much ease can I have? How many responsibilities can I avoid? You know, how can I move to 605 Easy Street? The best life, folks, is not the life of ease or endless recreation or no responsibilities or perpetual vacation. The best life is a life that matters. The best life you can live. Don't listen to Hollywood. What do they know? Don't listen to your lost professors, your lost teachers. Don't listen to your lost co-workers. And all they can talk about is, you know, avoiding this and having no responsibilities there. <clears throat> and just going on vacation. Can't wait till I retire, then I'm going to do what I want to do every day. And if it's nothing, then I'll just be happy doing nothing. The best life is a life that matters. The best life are the lives that make a difference. The best life you can possibly live that really matters and really makes a difference is a life of faithful obedience to the Lord. That is life at its best. Paul didn't pursue ease and pleasure and recreation and vacation. I'm sure there were times when he had to get away and relax and recoup. Jesus, he's our, he's our example. Was his primary motive in life, you know, fishing, hunting, shopping, vacationing, whatever? No, there were times that he got away. There are times we need vacation. There's times we need leisure. The best life is a life that matters. It's a life of faithful obedience. Why is that so important? Think about it. A life of faithful obedience, first of all, honors God. When people see you living a life that is biblical, a life that is obedient, that brings attention to the God you're living for. It honors him. A life of faithful obedience is a fantastic testimony to others. 
a life of faithful obedience in summation will make the world a better place. A life of faithful obedience, if you have a whole community of people living in faithful obedience, you don't even need a police force. Oh, but a, people, a group of people that's doing what they want to do, you better have a good police force. A life of faithful obedience makes you a better person. A life of faithful obedience just brings you the blessings of God. A life that is primarily a pursuit of pleasure and leisure produces, think about it, nothing of any real value that benefits you or anybody else. This is a pretty hard quote from Theodore Roosevelt, but he said it this way. There has never yet been a man in our history who has led a life of ease whose name is worth remembering. Let's just leave that up there for a second. Leave that up there for a second and digest that. There has never yet been a man in our history who has led a life of ease whose name is worth remembering. We mentioned last week Washington Jefferson, Madison, Adams, Franklin, Hancock, they risked it all. They went down a very hard path, and we remember their names. Our theme verse for the year is a verse of encouragement for those of you that you have the maturity to understand that recreation has its place. Pleasure has its place. Leisure has its place. But you know that that's not what it's ultimately about. It's, it's, it's honoring God. It's making a difference in this world. It is accomplishing the hard tasks that make life meaningful and worthwhile. Now, this verse, I want to point something out to you. This verse is towards, Philippians just has <clears throat> four chapters, and this is towards the end of Philippians. And he said, I have learned, or I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, what I want us to do is I want us to go back now for a few minutes into Philippians. Because there's a lot of things he tells them before he gets to it. Here he's wrapping it up. Let's go back and look at what he told them. And by the way, <clears throat> what he told the Philippians, it was recorded. It has been miraculously uh, preserved for 2,000 years, and it's been accepted by the church for 2,000 years as canon of Scripture. I mean, there are other things that were written back then that have been dismissed, and that's not God's word for a variety of reasons. This, the book of Philippians, beginning way back, has been received as God's word. It is credible. So at, at the end of the book, Paul tells them, I can do all things through Christ. And the idea is, so can you. But let's go back and look at what he tells them. Because if you think about it, they can be hard. And on our own, we're going to mess it up. Let's go back. Let's look at what he directs uh, us to do. Number one, back in Philippians chapter 1, he says, we as Christians are directed to live Christian life in unity with other Christians. So before he tells them this, he tells them this. He says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. 
He says, when I hear about you, you Philippians, I want to know that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So he is directing them to live life in unity with other Christians. That can be hard. Does everybody in this room get along with everybody equally? Does anybody in this room, other than me, rub you the wrong way? That can be hard. And for that reason, some people don't want to be a Christian, but you're already on the team. So how are you going to make that happen? I can do all things through Christ. I can get along with people that we don't see eye to eye. Our personalities may be a little bit different, but we are going to be unified. By myself, I might not be able to make that to happen. But through Christ, it can happen. In chapter 2, he says, we as Christians are directed to put others first. Verse number 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, he tells that church, and thereby tells us also. But in lowliness of mind, let us esteem each other better than themselves. Putting others first can be hard. So often we want to have our way and our say. And so the Lord tells us, no, you with other brothers and sisters in Christ, you serve them. You help clean up after the meal. You help take care of the building. You help prepare for the 4th of July celebration coming up. You sing in the choir. You, you teach Sunday school. You, you do this. Well, that, that doesn't fit into my agenda. You got it. So it's hard. So Paul says at the end of this book, I can do all things, implying even the hard things. How? Through Christ. Number three, in that same chapter, chapter number two, we as Christians are directed to live ethical, honest, and pure lives. He instructed the Philippians, do all things without murmuring and disputing that ye may be blameless and harmless the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Do all things without murmuring and disputing? I got to be blameless? I got to be harmless? You know, I got to have a good testimony? That's hard, Lord. Yeah, for us. Our flesh is weak. The Bible acknowledges that. So how am I going to do that? Oh, I can do all things through Christ. I'm not going to claim that at the casino. I'm not, I'm not going to claim that when I'm trying to take advantage or pull something over someone. That's not what that's relating to. You're taking it all wrong. But in the things that the Lord has told you to do, he will enable you to do. You can put others first. You can live ethical, honest, and pure lives. Number four, we as Christians are directed to recognize and to avoid bad people. He tells those same Philippians, this is before we get to this, he says in verse number two of chapter three now, 
He warns him, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. The concision were the the Jews, the Judaizers that were trying to make them come back under Judaism, uh, or at least a portion of it. And he says, beware of them. The idea is be able to recognize them and avoid them, stay away from them. You may have to interact, you know, the, the, the boat's in the water, but don't put the water in the boat kind of thing. That's hard. I, I work with lost people, and some of my relatives are, are lost. How am I going to be able to do that? Lord, you're asking me to do something hard. By yourself, you're going to fail. But you can do that through Christ. Number five. I'll be preaching on this this afternoon. We as Christians are directed to follow the leader. Oh, no, not that. I want to do what I want to do. I want to serve on my terms. I don't want any guy standing up in the pulpit, you know, whether it's Pastor McMorris or Pastor A, B, C, or D at any other church that you might decide to go to. I, I just don't want that. For that reason, a lot of people aren't in church this morning because they're not going to do that, even, even some Christians. Listen, he says in verse number 17 of chapter 3, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Following can be hard. It's much easier, at least in our minds, to do things the way we want to do. But does that produce anything that matters? Does, is, is what you're thinking, is it going to contribute to anything of significance No. And for that reason, the Lord says, follow. Number six, two more, six and seven. We as Christians are directed how to think. He says, again, now we're in chapter four, we're at the last chapter. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, you know the rest of the verse. He says, think on these things. Well, I want to have it out for so-and-so. Now, you can't do that. That doesn't, it's not in the list. Well, I'd sure find her attractive or him attractive and, and the things I can conjure up in my mind. No, you can't do that. that. That's not on the list. Well, how am I going to do that? that? That's hard. I can do all things, even that. You see, Paul's giving them quite a list here. And the last one. We as Christians are directed to pray about everything. He's not through teaching them in verse number 6 of chapter 4. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ. Be careful for nothing. In other words, don't be filled with anxiety. But everything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Pastor, that's hard. I'm just naturally prone to anxiety. And well, do you pray about everything? Mm, maybe not as much as I should. How can I do that? That's hard. Well, on your own, you will fail miserably. But you can do all things through Jesus Christ. These things can be hard, but that's the reason Paul wrote what he wrote. The reason we do hard things, again, one more time, let's look at it. A life of faithful obedience honors God. That's a life that matters. Your life matters when you're honoring God in a way that it doesn't even come close to when you don't honor God. A life of faithful obedience is a fantastic testimony to others. That's a life that matters. It's worth getting up tomorrow and putting up with everything you're going to put up with. 
A life of faithful obedience makes the world a better place. A, a life of faithful obedience makes you a better person. A life of faithful obedience brings you blessings. Whereas the easy life, the easy way, is the meaningless life. So now, as we conclude, the million-dollar question that all of you have, how does that work? Pastor, I'll be the first to admit, just the list there in Philippians, and there's a bunch more lists throughout the Bible of do's and don'ts. Just that that you've mentioned is challenging, and it's hard. And for some of those reasons, I just kind of want to give up, or I just come... Sunday morning, stick my toe in the water, try to make me feel good, but I'm not really as committed because it's hard. So in, in what way can Christ strengthen me? How does God strengthen us? Real quick, we're done here. One, the love of Christ strengthens you. Just being aware of his love for you. To know that he's paying attention, to know that he cares. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, whatever you're going through, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? One of the ways you can be strengthened when you're going through a hard time at work and you're catching it because you're different, because you're not looking at those dirty pictures, you're you're walking away when the conversation gets dirty, and they're maliciously you know, just ripping into you. If you were by yourself, you might think, this, I, I just can't do this. But just knowing God's love, knowing how much he loves you, the creator God of the universe, you find strength in that. The love of Christ strengthens us. Number two, the life of Christ strengthens us. Knowing about his life, knowing what he endured, He is our example. He is our mentor. He is our inspiration. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. He's not asking you to do anything that he did not first do himself. Where does this strength come from? The love of Christ strengthens us. The life of Christ strengthens us. And lastly, the lessons of Christ strengthen us. What he teaches us through his word gives us strength. For example, John fifteen five, he tells us, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. A life that matters is going to be at times challenging, at other times even hard. You need, when you go through those times, to turn your heart, turn your feelings, turn everything you have to Christ and understand the love of Christ strengthens you, knowing that you are loved. You might think, nobody loves me right now. Nobody understands, nobody cares. You are strengthened when you understand that God loves you. The life of Christ strengthens us. Just looking back on his life and seeing what he did and how he never faltered. That's inspiring. And the lessons of Christ, what he teaches us, we gain strength from that. Albert Barnes, a 
Bible commentator from years past said it this way. At every step of life, Christ is able to strengthen us and bring us triumphantly through. What a privilege it is, therefore, to be a Christian, to feel in the trials of life that we have one friend, unchanging and most mighty, who can always help us. How cheerfully should we engage in our duties and meet the trials that are before us, leaning on the arm of our Almighty Redeemer. And he goes on to say, Let us not shrink from duty. Let us not dread persecution. Let us not fear the bed of death. In all circumstances, Christ, our unchanging friend, can uphold us. Let the eye be directed always to him when trials come, when temptations assail, when duty presses hard upon us, and when a crowd of unholy and forbidden thoughts rush into the soul, and we shall be safe. Albert Barnes obviously understood what Paul wrote when he wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse number 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If you want to live a life that matters, and who wouldn't? The life that matters the most is a life that is lived in faithful obedience to God. Now, that faithful obedience will be tried and tested at different times and in different seasons. And on your own, you're going to be defeated. So it's important for us to understand that like Paul, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And when you're feeling like throwing in the towel, remember the love of Christ, remember the life of Christ, and remember the lessons of Christ. It would be so wonderful if also like Paul, when you take your final breath, you will be able to say, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's the most important thing any one of us in this room will accomplish in our lives. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed as we stand, please.